The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Coming up, the latest on the Kansas City Royals from our team here at KCSN. All of our Royals content is brought to you by KC Strength and Conditioning, experts in baseball and softball training for kids ages 8 to 18. If you're in need, you're in luck. John and his crew have sent hundreds of players to college and the pros. That's KC Strength and Conditioning. And now, it's time for the latest updates on your Kansas City Royals. What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. I'm Joel Penfield, Josh Kaiser chugging something, and Jordan Foote joining me. As always, gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Merry Draftmas, and to everybody that is coming to Kansas City, uh, this is going to be it's an exciting week. Like I know we cover baseball, but we're obviously huge football fans. We like to think we know ball, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Cool to see our city on display uh, in this way for the next couple of days. It's cool seeing like the Ian Rap reports of the of the world popping in to like meet Mitch Q39 at Joe's all the all the usual spots it's kind of cool to see that on Twitter but definitely KC is on display I love it I'm I'm super excited man and it's just a reminder that KC can have stuff like this KC can have good things KC can have good people and I I mean like from an outsider's perspective I went to ASU for a year everyone was like uh Kansas City like what the hell is in Kansas City I was like well barbecue first of all um second of all good sports teams kind of sometimes every once in a while um third it's actually a cool city i think so it's nice to put that on the map and i think uh having the draft in town will be cool but before that takes over talk a little baseball i know it is obviously not easy to listen to a podcast about a team that at this point is five and 17 18 what is time i don't even know um but we appreciate you guys listening to this, and we can we always have to thank our sponsor, Kansas City Strength and Conditioning, for sponsoring us since day one here at KCSN. Uh, if you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train, be sure to go check them out. Can't thank Kansas City Strength and Conditioning enough. Gentlemen, let's – it is obviously difficult. <laughs> this is not an easy thing to do. Like, we love baseball, but trying to be as measured and relatively positive as we can is not easy right now. So let's try – have some sort of positive vibes here, at least early on. We got a lot to talk about today. But Jordan, we'll start with you. Do you have anything that you'd like to bring to the show early on that you feel like, hey, this is something that we can look at as a positive of some kind? Um, I have two things, I guess. And they're kind of like roasts, I guess. At least the second one is. Um <laughs> the the 
the schedule gets a little bit lighter here in a little bit. They have series against the five and eighteen A's and the seven and sixteen White Sox. Those records are entering uh, Tuesday's play as we're recording this. So you can make up a little bit of ground in the AL uh, standings, maybe even the AL Central standings if you're beating Chicago. Secondly, I think things can only go up from here a little bit. Like the Royals hitting 30th in OBP, 29th in average, 29th in OPS, 27th in runs scored, 26th in home runs. They're starting pitching 28th in strikeouts per nine, 23rd in a couple other things in the bullpen, 30th in home runs allowed per nine, 29th in hits allowed per nine, 29th in ERA, 28th in whip, 25th in walks allowed per nine. So um, unless I'm reading those leaderboards backwards, the Royals are not doing particularly well so far this season. Um, I think those numbers will probably go up a little bit. Uh, This team probably will rank 20th or below in quite a bit this season, but 21st, 22nd, 23rd maybe even 24th. Um, that's a far cry from 29th or 30th. So those are my two kind of positive things that are really sad, but I think <laughs> the flip, the the spin zone here is that they might improve at some point. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Josh, uh, please save me from this downward spiral. That was an interesting spin on positivity. It's like it's like a backhanded compliment. It can't get worse. It's yeah, like yeah, that yeah. Simpsons thing where Homer's like, "It's the only the worst day of your life so far, Bart." Like it, it could get a lot worse. But like maybe it'll get a little bit better. The thing is, like we, it could absolutely get worse. The A's are and the Tigers really. The Tigers are a better record, but they're putrid. It's just an absolute dog dumpster fire up there too. So and like the White Sox are lighting the world on fire. Either. No, AL Central sucks in general. It's it's still very much in. There's there's a positive spin. The AL Central is still very much in up in play. So that's that's fun. Um, the the thing I could probably bring to the table is the offense is kind of starting to peak up a bit. Um. They did see Shohei, which absolutely tore through that lineup, which is how it goes when you when you face greatness like that. But the last week, they're 17th in OPS at a 683, so not great, but better. They're not dead last. 17th is not bad. Um, they have the fourth lowest K rate in that time at 21%, and the uh, well, the lowest walk percentage in the in the major leagues at that point. But let's focus on the increase in OB or OPS, the increase in or I guess the decrease in strikeouts. Uh, let's spin that as a uh, as a positive positive, and let's not worry about uh, how we talked last week between uh, me and Jordan. Was that once one thing started coming up, the other start coming down, and that starting pitching has sure started to take the other end of that teeter totter. So um, let's just let's stick with that. Offense is doing better. I mean, yeah, it, it you can see like. There are even in the losses, like you can see the glimpses of, hey, this is starting to go right. Like we saw that, I think it was on the the Sunday game. They got away from them at the very end against the Angels. Like the offense really did start to come together. Bobby hit a homer, MJ hit a homer, Vinny hit a homer. Uh, they were able to kind of scrap together late on Saturday. So you could see some of this. It's just not all coming together at once, but you're starting to see the bits and pieces of it, which at this point I'll take. Like I, I'll take anything. I don't need to, to sit and and whine about, you know, every little loss because, you know, what is it at this point? Like, who cares? It It is what it is. Just let's try and, you know, at least look toward the future here. But my the biggest thing that I've seen over the last week is Vinny is becoming the all-star that we said that he was going to be coming into the year. He's fifth among first basemen and way to runs created plus up to 154 
uh, and I believe he is fourth in wins above replacement, is tied for fourth in wins above replacement. Interestingly enough, the name that is at the top of the Waiterman's Created Plus list for first baseman, not on my radar whatsoever. Do you guys have any idea who it might be? I would have guessed Pete Alonzo. Not Eric well, Oscar. He, uh, not Eric Oscar. No. I'm just uh, throwing uh, strays at everybody. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, straight Eric Osmer. You know, what is that <laughs> at this point? Dude's barely hanging out with the Cubs. Yandy Diaz. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it makes sense. But yeah, it goes Yandy Diaz, Vlad Jr., Anthony Rizzo, then Pete Alonzo. Okay. And then Vinny Pasquantino, followed by Matt Olson. So that's, I mean, that's the company that Vinny is in at this point. He's continuing to hit the ball hard. The strikeout rates come down over the last couple of weeks. He's only striking out 14%. The walk rate steady around 13, which is about what he's been in the big leagues. Averages come up close to 300. If you're a batting average guy, there's a lot to like. And he is holding down first base really, really well. I know people talk so much about Nick Prado's glove, rightfully so. If he played every day in the big leagues, he'd be a gold glover. But Vinny is, I believe, in like the 93rd percentile and outs above average. He is a lot better athlete than he has given credit for. He's, you know, he's proving everything that we have believed coming into the season and just the middle of the order lineup guy that this team needs. It's, I don't remember the last like type of hitter like him that the Royals have had. The guy that, that has an actual approach has like a, a walk rate that's very ballparky to their K rate, good average, good power too. I mean, we could call Billy Butler a pretty solid bat profile, but he never really had the power that I think Benny has. So it's, I I mean, it's kind of a weird thing to kind of look at is, is how, how he's doing and how his success is coming at the plate. It's, it's fun to watch. And I'm pumped to pump that we actually got one. We got one of the guys that do that. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to be, and this isn't me throwing anything at any specific player or saying it's going to happen in the future. And it really isn't, I promise. But like this, this seems very, for the most part, what he's going to be. Like one of the best first basemen in baseball at the plate. He's going to be able to hold his own on defense. And he's doing really more than that this season. Like he is overall, he was a good player last year objectively and showed quite a bit. And everyone said, okay, well, he should at the worst be a good player this year. He's been pretty much a great player this year for the Royals, and I think this is what people can expect long-term. So we could probably cut the last three or four minutes and post it every week, and it'd be the same thing because he's going to yeah. keep giving them the same thing every time. But that doesn't mean it isn't worth bringing up because like, we're yeah. we're talking about positives, and every week on that list, he's probably going to be one of those few positives for the next you know couple months perhaps. One of the most interesting things I noticed about Vinny and this was just random today. I had some time to kill work, so I went on Savant. And so I found, actually, when you click on the spray chart in the top right for hitters, it pulls up the video of all of the hits. Yeah. And so I looked at his home runs, and he has four of them this year. All four of his home runs have come when he had two strikes. Now, what that means in over the context of a full season, I have no idea. But it was very interesting to me to see that. And it was 0-2, 1-2, 2-2-3. I think like all like he hit all four counts. And mm. that's just a sign of a good hitter, being able to A, put the ball in play, and still get your A swing off at a two-strike count is incredibly impressive, which tells me that he knows what he is looking for at the plate and is able to put a good swing on pretty much anything at any count. 
it it is incredibly impressive. And I don't know, I like he's not going to keep that up over a full season. I'd be shocked if two thirds of his home runs come with two strikes. But it is it's one of those things that I that caught my eye this morning when I saw that. He definitely likes to ambush, uh, especially starters on the second and third time through the lineup. He does like yeah. to take his first at bat is very methodical. He likes to see pitches somewhere in like the four to eight range is usually when he's swinging, but. After he loves to ambush on that second and third time around, I've, I've really started to kind of notice that. And that's something else I love about him is just the fact that he knows, like, very much very good at picturing what's coming and um, and and taking advantage of it when it does come. So I'm excited for it. It's it's very fun. We just need to get some, uh, some of Vinny rubbed off on all these other guys. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. start to see it, like, we're starting to see it with some other guys, too. Like, Bobby is, I know last night was kind of rough, but yeah. he had a solid stretch there in, uh, Mm-hmm. In LA, he drove a ball to right center, which we haven't seen him do a ton. A lot of his home runs and the power is to the pole side. So that's how you know a guy's dialed in when he's driving the ball to right center. Uh, we saw him start to do that toward the end of last season. So he's he's starting to get it down uh, as well. So there there's a little bit rubbing off. It just I want to see it through one through nine and not just you know one through three or four. Yeah, no, there there are a couple security blankets. Um... There's also a wet blanket, and I think that's me because I think we need to, before our first break here, we need to address some injuries and, like, not very much good news in that on that front. No, it, it sucks. Um, we it came down last week, and, of course, it's like two weeks after I gushed about how good Chris Bubich was and how good he, I thought he was going to be this year. Flexor strain, something you never want to hear, and then second opinion in the same sentence. Not great. You I know you guys talked about that last week, uh, but it came down that after the opinions of multiple doctors, it was best for Chris Bubich to get Tommy John surgery, which is going to put him out until probably after the all-star break of 2024. It's brutal, man. Like it, You hate to see it for any pitcher, but especially a guy like that, because it finally felt like he found something. Like there, mm-hmm. that he was turning the corner as a pitcher in the big leagues and had found that next gear. To, to be a, a part of the rotation uh, for the foreseeable future. That is on hold for a while now. We're still waiting on Daniel Lynch. You know, the, it was already a up-and-down roller coaster of a starting rotation, especially with Brady Singer, at least right now, taking a step back. I don't think that'll last long, but uh, at, least, at least you hope not. But it, it's tough to see, and you you hope that he comes back and you know, after 15 months off and, you know, was able to kind of pick back up somewhere where he left off and still with about a year and a half of control left, he's able to, you know, find himself and maybe find a future in Kansas City still. Uh, are we saying, is that the official ruling about Bubich being after the Ulster break next year? It's a jet. I generally give it about 15 months. Like that's okay. all, like that's often what you see. Some guys are able to come back sooner. If I had to guess, and this is like I don't I don't know for sure. They they just said to be back by the end of twenty twenty four. And the best best case scenario, I bet he's back after the All Star break at twenty four would be gotcha. be what I think. Well, Doctor Doctor WebMD said something about nine months for a pitcher to be back throwing competitively. Um, so yeah, somewhere between that nine and eighteen month range probably probably sounds pretty decent variance there. Yeah, and he's still relatively young, and you yeah, yeah. bounce back a little bit. I don't think he's had Tommy John in the past, so I think that's always helpful in the rehab situation. But 
it's definitely going to be touch and go, uh, especially if he's, you know, found something new that he has kind of done in the short term. That could probably be also pretty easy to lose in the whole rehab process. So that's kind of what I'm a little bit concerned about. If he did take his next step forward, he's got to be able to maintain that without being able to throw. That's just going to be really, really hard for him. So uh, kind of thoughts out to Bubich for sure. Um, looking forward to what, what he is next year and kind of wondering what's going to happen with this rotation uh, in these spots that are coming up because the season is long, boys. Yeah, and I, I was going to say also, and I, I think him more than the other guys who kind of believe that his changes were legitimate, mm-hmm. it's a, a few starts, man. Like what mm-hmm. if he comes back next year and he's not the same guy and he already didn't have great enough stuff to – have longevity per se and there was already a little bit of conversation is he a reliever is he a starter where does he fit in the rotation like this was supposed to be the year the Royals sorted all that out now you're waiting another year potentially a year and a couple months for a guy to get back and prove what he was supposed to prove in 2023 and 2024 so um it's unfortunate for the team but you know first and foremost unfortunate for him it sucks you never want to see anyone follow that progression from oh your arm is a little tight to okay it's a flexor strain that's what they're describing it as to okay we're going to get you know a second opinion to boom he's out for the entire season so um that sucks not great um i guess a guy that we should stick with the rotation and then move to hitters i guess should we hit daniel lynch joel yeah so it sounds like he's starting to throw a little bit uh let me find the actual actual tweet from annie rogers i'm kind of Live lookup season. Live lookup season, y'all. I think it was a three, there was a bullpen today and then a three-inning simulated game and extended spring training. That sounds right. That a little rehab. So they're thinking like mid to late May instead of, because we had JJ on, he said May 1 would be like a realistic timeline. Now it seems like they're, um, and probably correctly, pushing it a couple weeks down, I think, like mid-May to maybe the last week of May, perhaps, depending on how that rehab goes. Okay, so... So Andy's tweet says, uh, Daniel Lynch will bullpen today, so that's Tuesday the 25th, uh, and is scheduled for three innings and extended spring on Thursday from there, a couple rehab starts. Okay. So I would imagine, so at that point, that would put him right around that May 1, that timeline that JJ laid out for us a couple of weeks ago on the podcast before the season started. And at that point, I'd imagine it's going to be three rehab starts maybe even more just to get ramped up so he can go four or five when he gets up to the big leagues and is able to to slide into the rotation at least that's what i would assume that they want from him so that that's at least a positive sign that there is some sort of you know reinforcement on the way you just hope that he doesn't hit a snag or anything like that and and continue to you know send the, the development heading in the opposite direction. So something to monitor, but it is a good sign that he is throwing and we'll, we'll keep you guys posted if uh, anything pops up with that. Another injury that happened now, this doesn't seem like it's going to be an IL stint for him, but MJ would seems like he was just running in from the outfield and his back tightened up on him. Uh, that is always, uh, it's always tricky because that back injury can kind of just flare up at any time. So they're, Giving him a couple of days. He ran today. Seemed like he didn't have any problems. So they'll I would imagine he's back in the lineup by the end of uh by the end of the week. Pro I, I would guess. I probably yeah. after the Arizona series. Then then we'll see MJ back in the lineup. 
it's a long season. There's no reason for him to rush back or feel like he needs to play through it to try and, you know, get, you know, fire up the boys or anything like that. Like, get healthy, get 100%. If it means an IL stint, it means an IL stint. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, it doesn't seem like that's the case. The Royals didn't seem very concerned about it. So I'm not going to be concerned about it unless, you know, something further happens. Yeah, completely agree. And it, and that kind of speaks to this roster's flexibility because uh, they can afford to put MJ kind of on a, I guess, a informal IL, just give him a few days rest and be able to to slide into those spots. And it's obviously going to be a, a void in the lineup. You're replacing him basically with like a mishmash of Nicky Lopez and, and Matt Duffy for the most part. Um, so it's not going to be as potent of a lineup um, unless you believe in Matt Duffy, unless you believe that's real. Um, it could be a we'll thing, talk about but, that later. Yeah, we might hit that. Uh, and also, I mean, you also have Freddie Fermi in there as the backup catcher. His his catching skills are pretty solid, and I've always kind of liked his bat skills in the last couple couple seasons. So uh, I don't think there's any going to be need, any rush for MJ to rush back, but I know he's going to be itching to do it. Um, I know Fran Mail came off of the paternity list. Shout out Fran Mail. Uh congratulations on baby. What is it? How many babies was that? Seemed like there was a lot. Not quite a Philip Rivers team, I don't think, but like it was <laughs> maybe enough for like a starting nine, but not quite a starting eleven for yeah. football, perhaps. Yeah. So he's he is back and uh so we got the masher, we got a little more power in the uh, lineup back with him as well. So, again, yeah, there's plenty of versatility in this lineup to be able to allow MJ to sit for a couple of days and and to be largely okay with it yeah yeah i'm with that and then i i guess the last injury related guy um drew waters is kind of like the daniel lynch phrasing of like oh he was going to do this and then they moved it back a couple days he's going to hit a little bit he's going to play a simulated game then a rehab stint after the extended spring stuff so again probably just a few more weeks and he'll be back in the lineup um and i yeah i guess that and then is there one more injury thing that we're forgetting? Uh, Brewer Hicklin just got activated Not against Swarm Chasers, yep. and I think he could actually, I mean, you give me the option between Jackie Bradley Jr. and Brewer Hicklin and right now, I'm probably taking Brewer Hicklin and, uh, and what he can potentially bring. I want to see it at a major league level. It kind of probably looks like a 40% strikeout rate, but it is going to be a lot of fun out there, I think. And we can see that 40% strikeout rate with JBJ right now. Yeah, I mean, Brewer Hicklin is an easy guy to root for. I don't know what it would look like at the big league level, um, but if he gets the opportunity, hey, they're 5-18, and 18, sure. what the hell. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I'll, throw, I'll throw anything at the wall at this point, see what sticks. Even with the Ws, I don't give a shit how it comes. Yep, yep. Uh, anything else uh, that you guys have seen? I don't I think, think there's so. been anything else come across the wire, thankfully. So That's a lot yeah. for an early season team. It no is. Madison bum guards. Yeah. He's on the wire, all right. He, uh, I saw, yeah, I saw that. I think it was Joshua Briscoe tweeted that uh, reverse, like, uh, like, <laughs> yeah, spell. yeah. That's like, here you go, buddy. For the Royals, no run support. Congrats. Yeah, good, good luck, you bozo. Here you go. <laughs> I mean, he deserves it. Oh man. Hey, maybe the maybe Quatrero would get weird enough to let him in for himself. Hey, oh they could do worse. They could have two. That is very true. And then you throw in Eaton, maybe he's back up, and you got three two-way players. Ain't nobody in the league done that since 1875 or whatever. Well, and then Zach Greenkey, too, could hit. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. If they really, oh, yeah, yeah, they could. Yep, so. Man, should we go to break before we get too far off the rails? Correct. Yeah, we'll, we'll be right back. 
Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Too far off the rails is my middle name, Jordan. Don't you forget it. <laughs> so the corresponding move when Fran Mel Reyes came off of the paternity list was uh, Nate Eaton to be demoted to AAA Omaha, meaning they're keeping Freddie for mean around to be. The, I'd imagine that is signaling a move that MJ is going to be playing the outfield and DHing almost full time, at least for now. Also, congrats to Freddie Fermin for getting his first big league hit over the weekend as well. Oh, yeah. So, no, got, got one in the books there. With Eaton, I mean, it just wasn't working. And, you know, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, or at least the, kind of the early indications were that he just wasn't ready. Not closing the book on Nate Eaton as a big leaguer. I think he, he certainly has a, a role, a bench role in the future of this team moving forward. It's just not happening right now. He's not walking, he's striking out a ton, not really hitting at all and not playing good defense, which is really his calling card at various positions. So it's one of those things that needed to happen. It sucks to see it because Nadine's a good dude and a guy that people seem to like in that clubhouse. I'd imagine we see him again at some point this year. Now we got to think about, okay, who's next? Because I think there is a another round of demotions coming here soon. I'd imagine Michael Massey's probably on that list. Now he's gotten a couple more hits to fall for him, which I mean, hey, when you put the ball in play as much as he does because he swings so damn much, eventually a couple of those are going to fall by accident. But he's still striking out around 25% or more. He hasn't walked literally at all this season. Uh, We talk about Salvador Perez not walking at all, but literally Michael Massey does not walk at all. And then you can think about a a Michael Garcia or a Simon Taylor, somebody like that. So who who do you guys think is next? Because I... I hate to have this conversation, but it seems like there needs to be some kind of fresh blood just to to mix things up and just see see what you have in some guys because not like a lot of guys are pulling their weight enough in the lineup consistently to validate keeping them in the big leagues. Well, I think it could be, and I don't know if next is the most accurate thing because like Michael Massey could be that next guy, but like when Drew Waters gets back, could be an outfielder. It could yeah. be Kyle Isbell, who's walking 3% of the time, like 3.0. That's it. Um, 227 on base percentage. He has a 33 weighted runs created plus in 18 games. 
could be Jackie Bradley Jr. The Royals saying, hey, dude, Bye-bye. played good defense. It just wasn't working out. You're hitting 151. His way to runs created plus is minus one. That's negative one. Mm. That is parentheses, uh, close parentheses one in 15 games. Um, it's not great. So he's been struggling. Isbell's been struggling. I think the Royals really liked what they saw in Kyle Isbell in the outfield jump. JJ brought that up time and time again over the course of the offseason. It's it's not working at the plate. And the sample size, you can say they pushed him through the system too aggressively. They can say they didn't uh, give him enough of a fair shot. Again, it's 18 games. I get it. But like the sample size is growing with him, not just this season, but over time to where he's not a starting caliber player on a a suitable big league team. And Drew Waters, there's still some intrigue there and what he can do at the plate, even while he's striking out a billion percent of the time. Because last year he was really impressive. The profile's still there. Um, They haven't had a lot of time with him yet. So um, I think it could be an outfielder. I'm sure Josh probably has a more innovative and and realistic answer that could happen before that. But um, that was just where my brain immediately thought. Oh boy, you got a lot of faith in me. Um, I set you up. I, I teed you up here. So, I, I think the obvious one also is Hunter Dozier. Uh, obviously, one of the worst hitters on a very bad offense, and his defense is not keeping up by any means. Uh, we've talked about it multiple shows that Michael Garcia and Nick Lofton are both, you know, chomping at the bit and doing everything they need to do as far as showing what they're capable of in Omaha. Nick Lofton had a rough week when Michael Garcia seems, again, ready to go. Uh, he just needs a little more experience up there at third base. So I could see that absolutely happening. But the one name that really is starting to heat up that could absolutely force his way into the conversation is Nick Prado. Um, we talked about Vinny over at first base, absolutely holding it down over there. He's done no, he's done nothing wrong as far as losing his first base spot. Prado is still very good at first base, so I can see him coming and getting some of those reps too. But if they also need some outfield help, he could play some right field too. Um, that's kind of why I'm call- keeping an eye on that MJ Melinda's injury. If it was going to get worse, I could totally see them bringing uh, Prado up so that they're not going to keep yeah. running Hunter Dozier out there, I wouldn't think, at right field. Um, so I could, And they probably want the left-handed power bat as well. Um, so Prado kind of checked both those boxes that I could totally see. And he, I think his two-week time period is up from his optioning uh, earlier in the year. So um, I, I totally could see him being in the mix as well. So I would go Nick Prado. Um, also, shout out to Royals Farm Port. Alex was the one kind of bringing up the differences in approach that Prado's kind of showed down in Omaha lately. Um, that is uh, kind of off to a slow start, but I think he's just getting adapted to that new approach, and he's really starting to heat up this last couple weeks. So um, I think Nick Prado is a possibility as well, which is a good thing. We've got options. we got uh, we got plenty of time to you know give them reps and see what they got, and uh, I'm excited to kind of see where that leads. I mentioned him just as just flow of consciousness. I mentioned Samad Taylor. I went and looked at his numbers, and he has the ability to play infield and outfield, playing center field quite a bit in uh, in Omaha right now. Slashing 312, 379, 481. Uh, striking out about 21%, walking around 9%, 121 way to run created plus. You know, that could be an option as well. I believe he's on the 40-man roster. Yep. And maybe that's a guy that you just go, let's see what you got. And that that's a scenario where you you bring, you know, you just tell JBJ, thanks for your service, my guy. We appreciate it. Uh, and this isn't going to happen anymore. Or Michael Massey, hey, go learn how to take some walks in AAA. I don't care if you 
go full Miguel Vargas and don't swing for a week and a half and just see pitches. And you bring up Samad Taylor and just go, you know, hey, here's your cup of coffee. Let's see what you got. At this point, it's kind of the the theme of this podcast at this point. What the hell do you have to lose? Right? It's already you're already five and eighteen. Like bring Samad Taylor up and just see what happens. Yeah, I'm I'm on board with that. I've also heard his his uh, those are pretty promising as well. Yes, which is a really good sign. Yeah. So, and I, I again, athletic profile, I'm just into those as well. So it feels like the upside on Samad is is pretty pretty high compared to what we're kind of seeing out there right now. But I'm yeah. curious about the transactionalosity. <laughs> There's a word. Transactionality is that? I, I don't know which one. Transactional, transactional, transactional fullness. That I, I don't know. Hashtag being transactional. See how actually transactional uh, the front office is going to be as far as pulling pulling triggers on vets. Um, we've seen them kind of call up guys and and be like bandages, um, yeah. especially when guys absolutely earn the demotion. So uh, I'm curious to see how quick they are to pull the trigger on on vets like Dozier and JBJ and and Fran Meal and anybody else that might deserve it, but still gets a long leash. So we'll see. You know who you know who doesn't deserve it right now that I didn't see coming. Matthew Duffy. Can I can I take point on this one? Yeah, I think you should take point on this one because I was incredibly hit on that Duffy coming into the season. If you listen to our, and it wasn't like I had any ill will toward the guy. Sure, it was just <laughs> coming from a place of I would much rather watch like a Michael Garcia, Michael Massey, Nate Eaton, Samad Taylor, whoever else, take the at bats in a year where you have to evaluate these young guys. Mm-hmm. And Matt Duffy makes the opening day roster, and I'm like, oh god, what are we doing here? What? Why is this a thing? And then he goes out and he's slashing 368, 400, 500, 152 weighted runs created plus. Now it's only in 40 plate appearances, so small mm-hmm. sample size theater. Um, <laughs> but he has served an incredibly valuable role for this team early on as a, a savvy veteran that's been around the block. You know, he's 32, but he's above above the zero war line. He's the perfect bench guy for this team right now, mm-hmm. and. I am the first to admit when I am wrong, and I was incredibly wrong on my opinions for the Royals keeping Matt Duffy on the opening day roster. So okay. nobody outside that organization that was no. right about Matt Duffy. <laughs> no one was right about Matt Duffy. <laughs> um, I His stats look good, right? The 152 way to runs created plus. Um, his barrel rate. So I compared the stats from 21 to 22 to this year. The barrel rates back up. The hard hit percentage is as high as it's been in those three years. You expect the batting average is up 33 points. Um, last year, he hit fastballs at a 237 clip, um, minus seven run value. He just could not hit fastballs. This year, it's 409. He's at a one run value. He also, the thing that I found the most interesting, and this could be a Royal specific thing. It could be a small sample size thing. It could be Matt Duffy just wanted to do it thing. His career average pull rate is 26.4%. It's 41.4 this year. He's pulling the shit out of the ball um, and he's getting good results. So he's made a couple tweaks. The strikeout rate's like 5% higher than it is over the course of his career. The BABIP is 464. So like Matt yes, Duffy is not going to be, Matt Duffy's not going to be this good all year. Trust me. But, like, can he be a a less playing time version of what they want Hunter Dozier to be? 
I think he can. And he's not going to give you that pop that Hunter Dozier, you know, theoretically, they he can give you. He obviously hasn't done it. But um, that's neither here nor there. Not a roasting session. Matt Duffy's been I, good. I will bring up one. Can I bring up one thing that I just Googled and found interesting? Yes. So just I'll spray a few stats here. Uh, Matt Duffy in his career, he's 32. Yes, yeah. 23, 2,380 plate appearances in his big league career. Hunter Dozier is 31, has 2,275 plate appearances in the big leagues. Mm. Matt Duffy, for his career, 281, 338, 375. Hunter Dozier, 239, 305, 420 slug. Okay. Weighted runs created plus for Hunter Dozier, 94. Matt Duffy, a league average hitter for his career, 100. Hmm. <laughs> Makes sense. War, which encompasses offense, defense, your entire value. This is yeah. the kicker. Hunter Dozier, negative point four. Matt Duffy, eight point one. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll have the caveat of a lot of that war was accumulated in his first couple of years between San Francisco and Tampa, but essentially they played the same amount of years in the big leagues. You know, they played rough. You know, about the same now. And Matt Duffy is just a, like, he's a markedly better player. And wow. Hunter Dozier's made double the money that Matt Duffy's yeah. made <laughs> over the course of his career. This was not, uh, this, that was not me just looking for any opportunity to just take a shot at Hunter Dozier. I promise. <laughs> but I was just thinking about, I was like, I feel like they're, because they're, I knew they were about the same age. I knew they were about, the, they probably played about the same. And, when I saw how close the career plate appearances was, a quick look, and I went, oh, shoot. I very much underrated the value of Matt Duffy to the steam, and not only what he's done this year, but for his career. Um, credit to him. Huge credit to him. Yeah. The career thing is kind of what got me, too. I'm in, I'm in the same boat there. I, obviously, this year has taken us off guard, but uh, but the career the effectiveness is certainly there for Matt Duffy. Uh, I will also caveat one more thing is he is still very much a matchup uh, player. 100%. He seems to be in a platoon with Nicky Lopez, even during Duffy's hot streak and Nicky as cold as he's ever been. Um, Q still subbed out uh, Nicky for Duffy in a situation late inning at bat uh, against a righty. So it, Duffy's good numbers are very much still there, and they are absolutely the flowers are deserving but he still, on the year, has 24 plate appearances versus lefties and 16 plate against appearances against righties. So I think he was still playing the matchups on that, which is fine. And that's also yeah. encouraging for me because despite the hot hand, he's still right in these matchups. So I'm still very much into that. Um, still kind of shows me what Q is all about. But, uh, yeah, good for good for Matt Duffy for, uh, for being the product that nobody saw coming. We are going to take our last break, and we'll be right back with a little topic about Ryan Yarborough, and we'll hit some minor league stuff. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Welcome back, everybody. So for this last little bit, uh, I'm just... (laughs) I'm looking at our rundown, and Jordan put in our, our chat, Ryan Yarborough is with four question marks. which I, I don't freaking know. Which is, I think, the perfect way to describe 
how this conversation is probably going to go. So Ryan Yarborough on Friday, I believe it was in the, the angel series. Taylor Clark was the opener mm-hmm. with, uh, Ryan Yarborough as the Costco guy. And then, uh, after now that Boobish is out, we're back to his, about to get to his spot in the rotation after Brady Singer. And tomorrow on Wednesday, Ryan Yarborough is going to start, uh, no opener. He's just going to start the game and hopefully he can go through the order a couple of times and turn it on over. I have no idea what his role is going to be moving forward because Daniel Lynch is going to come back to the, you know, he's going to come into the rotation. It seems like he's really just going to bounce back and forth uh, throughout this season, which for a one-year deal, that's fine. But 7.62 ERA, negative .3 war already in in only 13 innings. It is just weird. I, I have no idea what to expect from him. I hope for the best, but I don't know. What 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 do you guys think here? I have I, I don't have a lot of thoughts here because it's just like we'll see what happens, I guess. I'm thankful he is on a one year three million dollar deal. I'll start with that. Um that th- that could have been real bad if we were gonna throw another year at him. Um, because this is not good. Even the even the badness that he's kind of been is seems unsustainable. <laughs> he's not, he doesn't strike people out. He does, he doesn't, he does kind of walk people, but not much. And all of a sudden he's hitting people. He had four hit batters in the last week. He's on pace for 28 on the year. I don't know the last major league player that has hit 28 players, uh, in a whole season of baseball. So I, I hope we're in a position where, we find out that he is not going to be a starter. We are, we know that kind of, he's just kind of like a, a bridge to get over through the hump and to let Heasley and Kowar and other 40 man guys kind of figured it out in the minors. We know he's not a back of the bullpen guy. He's probably not a swing man. So at this point, I want to say he is a matchup dependent lefty specialist, but I can't do that because he's also bad against lefties this year. So, He's a middle relief innings eater in garbage time is the answer. I, when I'm not going well, I should say, I didn't have yet that yet. I'm not trying to roast the guy. I'm literally just dropping statistical facts that like you can't argue with. They just are. Um, he is at leaving 57.3% of batters left on base compared to 68. 8% average. He's keeping walks in check. It's right in correlation with his career average. Um, but he is first percentile in strikeout percentage. He is first percentile in whiff rate. He is first percentile in fastball velocity. He is bottom 20 in expected batting average, expected slugging, chase rate, curve spin. Opponents are hitting 375 off the curveball. They were hitting 211 a year ago. The pitch is being used less. Like, good for him for realizing it's, like, objectively terrible and not throwing it. But it it has minus 10.2 inches of vertical drop compared to league average. Last year, that was nowhere near that. Like, I don't know if he tried to make an adjustment and it's completely backfiring on him. And he's like, oh, my God, this is terrible. I don't have a feel for it. Or it just has completely been lost. And he, somewhere along the way, was like, I don't have a curveball anymore and i'm not going to throw it as much but when i do buddy it is like beep, 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 like you have a little fisheye on the show 
and it yeah. like will it's like you guess the pitch and it lights up all blue. That is what it is when he is throwing a curveball right now. And I'm not trying to pile on the guy, but like righties are hitting 306 on him. He is borderline unplayable against righties. Lefties are hitting 267 off of him, which isn't great. So you're like, I 762 ERA will probably improve. The FIP is 617. So you're like, okay, well, that, you know, could get a little bit better. But like he's not striking people out. He doesn't have the fastball to do anything. He doesn't have the velocity to do anything. He's not extending at an elite level. So you can't really use that as a crutch. The curveball has been terrible. The lefty righty splits, the righties have been bad. Um, It's been terrible so far. And it's been, if the Royals had a multiple year contract locked up for him, it'd be very bad. If this was Jordan Lyles, he'd be like, oh my God, the Royals are screwed with this signing. This is okay. They can, with the depth they have, effectively phase him out to a degree. I think if they want to, and sure, he can improve, but like, man, a guy who's not young, who doesn't have the arsenal to have this margin for error, and that's kind of the team thing, too. They have a margin for error, but when you're throwing guys like that out there, they just don't have it right now. Um, and it's not one single problem. That is just not good in any facet. And $3 million is totally eatable for any any club. Yeah. So if you're if you're dealing a role as Chapman like in a couple months or even a month from now, you're probably trading for a guy you can give a 40-man spot to, and Yarbrough might be the guy that's on the chopping block for that. It'd be, it would be it would make total sense at that point. Yeah, because I don't know who the hell's going to trade for Ryan Yarbrough. Like, it's not like he's pitching no. left to where it's not like, oh, hey, maybe you can flip him in six weeks and, and see what happens. I did think it was interesting. So if you, I don't know if you all have seen this, but there's a, a daily YouTube show called uh, Foul Territory with, like, Eric Kratz and Krasinski, Scott Braun. Lorenzo Cain's actually been on it a couple of times. They interviewed Ryan Yarbrough back at, like, the beginning of April, and they were talking about and I I obviously can't listen to it right now, so I don't have, like, the full context of it, but I remember seeing this. Mm. That he asked, uh, he was asked by Eric Kratz if he felt that Tampa undervalued him, and he said, you know, one of the quotes was, you know, from a competitive standpoint, I was like, I know I could start. And I don't know, that's just kind of a weird thing for it to come out now because he's with the Royals and he's in the bullpen and he's starting now, but that's out of necessity, not because the Royals probably want him to start. It's it's interesting. I, I don't know. I, I found that I found that odd. I'll just, I'll just put it that way. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's perking up some ears for sure. Yeah. Uh, now, I wish, I wish I'd found that earlier and actually listened to the full... Well, it's like I can get the full context of it. I wasn't trying to be like clickbaity. <laughs> Your live lookup skills are also terrible, Joel. It's very bad today. That is, that is <laughs> we don't expect you to live look up an entire interview yeah. segment. You're you're fun. No, no. Well, I just remember seeing it and then I, you know, I saw it during my work day and I was like, when you know, went back, didn't even think about it. And then we were talking about it. I was like, I feel like I saw something that he had some quote about mm-hmm. wishing he started more. I don't know. Bizarre. But We'll see how it goes. Obviously, was, we're not wishing that he's gonna suck. Like, yeah, he was he was serviceable against the Angels. I mean, that's a yeah that's a pretty tough top of the order at least. So for sure, he was serviceable against the lineup with a bunch with some righties that mash yeah. lefties. Yeah, yep. And the, I mean, the D backs are not nothing either. So we'll see what he's able to do tomorrow. Hopefully, it's at least eat a few innings of keeping him in the game type of ball. So I yeah, I don't know. Exactly. We'll see. He's got he's got an opportunity to show what he's made of, and that's that's uh, sounds like what he's looking for. 
before we get out of here, we will hit you with some uh, some stuff from the minor leagues. Uh, Josh, do you want to go first? I know you like I only really have one thing that I noticed over the last week, uh, but you know, yeah, I know you have a, a list of stuff. Uh, what you got? Uh, there was a good 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 start by Tyson Guerrero down in Quad Cities. It was really top to bottom. There's a lot of good pitching performances that in Quad the, uh, Cities rotation is really yeah. good right now. Yep. Yeah. And that's not, I mean, the other one was Shane Panzini down in Columbia. He's got two starts in the last week. Today was a start of his six innings pitch, no earn, two hits, three walks, and six Ks. Uh, kind of lost in the muck of that, uh, the prep trio. Kind of, he's like the third yeah. guy that, that people talk about in that 2021 draft class. But he's been solid all year. He's three starts, 15 and two thirds, only three earned, given up. Got a 2.0 K to walk ratio and a not uh, 0.96 whip. Um, We've seen Mazzucato kind of potentially make, taking that next step. Uh, he's looked really, really good this year. If Panzini has figured it out and he's taking that next step, I think he's older. I think he's 21. I'm not sure if yeah, he's an older Mazzucato or yeah. So if they're, you know, if they're still progressing together through that, they should they should both probably be in Quad Cities pretty soon. Uh, Cooter is not far behind. He's not, you know, not at their level this year so far. But he was the one kind of dealing more so last year. So uh, a lot of encouraging things down the lower level uh definitely especially in the pitching department which is awesome to see i dig it i dig it is it my turn joel yep if you want to if you want to go go hot damn um lucky number seven it was a slot machine night on the 19th for one john easley seven innings seven hits which you know it's not necessarily good but he also struck out seven he gave up three runs he gave up a home run which like that's going to come and go with him. That's kind of his brand at this point. But for a guy that we talked a couple weeks ago, probably maybe three weeks ago, where he was just bad and the spring mm-hmm. training was terrible, we were like, man, he needs some sort of good development for his sake and for the Royals' sake. Not as many eyes on him. Not as much pressure, probably. That will play. Seven innings, three runs, seven strikeouts, a quality start. No matter how many hits you give up, no matter if you give up a home run or not, um, that'll play. So shout out to John Easley. I know that um, everyone has been critical of him, this podcast included, but that is a reason to uh, point out something good he did. So good for him. And there were there were no walks in that outing either, which is yeah, yeah, zero walks for him. That's massive, yep. massive thing for him. The guy that stood out for me was Caden Wallace in Quad Cities. He was the other uh, college bat that the Royals took in last year's draft. You know, Gavin Cross got a lot of the fanfare. Caden Wallace should be a junior in college right now. He was a draft-eligible sophomore. He is in Quad Cities with Gavin Cross, currently slashing 327, 443, 5, or 531. Only one homework, three triples. Uh, and he's walking almost 16.5% of the time. The strikeout rate manageable at 23%. Waiter runs created plus a 179 early on. This is a draft-eligible sophomores are always kind of tricky. Because you really got to, you really have to hit on it because sometimes you just don't know because you're either going to get like a Caden Waltz, you're going to get a Brady McConnell and have no idea what you're going to yeah. get. That's the, that's always the tricky thing about getting those guys. But it seems like the Royals really hit with this one, at least early on 49. You know, it's only 61 plate appearances, so still a small sample, but really intriguing to see that early on. Gavin Cross has not uh, hit the way that I thought he would uh, to start this season. But I saw full faith that he's going to come on just fine. But it seems like the Royals really found a dude in in Caden Wallace. Mm-hmm. 
completely agree. He hit another he hit another home run tonight too, I think. Oh, he did. Okay, yeah. he's got two in the Good year. timing. There we go. Perfect. And uh, off that one that waiter and scurry plus up into the one eighties. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Insane. With the draft on Thursday, you guys will hear this before then. Let's go around really quick with the thirty-first pick in the twenty twenty-three NFL draft. The Kansas City Chiefs select Josh. Uh, I'm going to go with my heart pick, which is Quentin Johnson. I love the size. I love the ceiling. I want to see it. I want to see him pair it. I want to see the Matt Matt Ryan and Julio Jones combination with Mahomes and Quentin Johnson. I think that would be the uh, fun ceiling, but uh, we'll see. He's got a he's pretty raw, so we'll see. I think I Quentin Johnson is one of my two picks. I'm going to go Quentin Johnson. Or Anton Harrison. I think Harrison's stock not has fallen, but flattened out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, if you would have asked me a month ago, I was like, no way he's there at 31. Now with other guys coming up, I think it's possible now. Um, I'm not sure how the league necessarily feels about him. All it takes is one team, even the Tampa, I think, at 19 to take him. Um, but if he's there, I think the Chiefs would be hard-pressed and pass him up. The same applies to Johnson, too. Mm. So I'm going to Maddie answer this because they're not going to pick at 31. Like I really okay. believe that they're okay. I really believe that they're gonna trade up. Move it up trade up into the mid twenties, probably that twenty two, twenty three range, and go get a receiver. Like I either that or if for some reason Darnell Wright, the tackle from Tennessee falls, they're like someone that falls because I want so badly for like five quarterbacks to go in the top fifteen and just push all of these guys down. Someone's gonna fall into that twenties range and the Chiefs are gonna pick there. We're not picking a thirty one. Find you got to call your shot. Okay, official pick. Uh, we'll go. We'll go with Zay Flowers. Mm. Man, okay. Okay, I'm Zay Flowers. Right on. I don't hate it. Hey, uh, we talked about it a little off air, but like, if they get any one of Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison, yeah. or Zay Flowers, I'm perfectly fine. Yeah. Like, basically, I just don't want them to go and get. Like, I want them to go tackle, <laughs> edge, or wide receiver. Like, I D tackle. No, when you get Keon White, buddy, you are not going to be happy. Or Will McDonald, Bill Mickey D's. If they draft him, you're going to be pissed. Mm-hmm. Well, I watched him terrorize me in the when Oakland's in Big Twelve for four years, so I don't know. Yeah, My, what if for some ungodly reason Miles Murphy's there, at like twenty two? Like, oh, I mean, hey, you're running to the podium <laughs> at that point. Yeah, yeah, I'm in on that too. No, it's going to be a lot of fun. Be sure to to watch all the stuff we have at KCSN for. Uh, all the draft covered. Kent, Maddie, and Craig are going to be busy as hell for <laughs> talking for 11 hours straight. Be sure to go hang out with them down at Power and Light if you're there. Uh, come hang out on Sunday at Holiday Distillery. Uh, there'll be a lot of lot of fun stuff there. If you haven't been out there to hang out with us, it's a, it's a really good time. You guys have anything else before we get out of here? Not me. Nope. Not me. I'm good to go. Thank you for rocking with us every week through uh, this sludge of a season, and it is April 25th. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to y'all next week. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN, covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus, KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. 
Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.